1: Well, hello, Caregiver Nation. I hope everyone around the world is having a terrific day. I'm really pleased today because I have Vicki DeClerk with me in the studio, actually in the studio. <laughs> and she is the daughter of Naomi File. And I have talked about Naomi's work for many, many years. And unbeknownst to me, Vicki was a huge part of that. And today, because we're both in Uh, working and giving uh, uh, classes in a conference here in Denver, the Pioneer Conference this week. I was fortunate enough to ask her if she'd come and be in the studio with me. Vicki, welcome. Oh, thank you, Jill, so
2: much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here and to be talking with you today.
1: It really warms my heart because I have talked so much to my caregiver nation. Those are my listeners around the world about how important it is to deeply communicate with people who have lost, for the most part, their ability to communicate as they used to. And I have used the Validation Breakthrough book many times in my life, uh, and I found it to be such an enormously inspiring work, And I know you have edited it and you have Mm -hmm. made changes to it over the years. But I am thrilled to have you here. So as an introduction, I want to talk just a little bit about you for a minute and what you have done in the world. So uh, you're an RN. Right. Right. I came to nursing
2: really late, actually, and through uh, validation. Okay. Uh, Let me go back a little bit. I was in New York City, and I was working in theater. I was in the administrative side of theater, and I met this wonderful Dutchman, and I moved to Amsterdam in 1986. Okay. And... Then we started a family, and um, he, w- he was a diplomat for the Dutch Foreign Service. So we were moving around Europe at that time. And my mom said, can you help me revise my first book? The book she wrote in 1982, Validation, the File Method. Uh-huh. I said, Sure. And I hacked and I slashed, and she handed me all her reference material. (laughs) And I, you know, I found the quote from Freud or Jung. I was able to put in the citations. And that was my first lesson in validation.
1: Okay.
2: Is revising that book with her. At the time, we were living in Vienna, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and I was asked to speak in, a, in what was then called a nursing home
3: okay. uh,
2: to the nurses for an hour one mm-hmm. afternoon. I get up there and I start doing the book. And these were very professional, 30-year veterans, and they were sitting in, the, in their seats with their arms crossed uh, across their chest, looking at me skeptically, <laughs> and said, that's all very nice theory. But uh, what do you do when Mr. Schmidt spits at you? And I ran to the book. And in that moment, I realized I know nothing. I know nothing. So I, thank goodness, we moved at that time back to Amsterdam. And I was able to volunteer in an old age home. Mm -hmm. And I started practicing validation. Then I realized I needed a bigger background, something, a framework to hold it. Mm -hmm. And that became nursing training. So I did my nursing training. I was around 40 years old. I was one of the oldest students. (laughs) And um, it was fantastic because it gave me that frame, that background, that base from which I could work with a lot more security. I also turned my life around at that point and started helping my mom, not just with her book, but in developing the quality standards, the uh, certification levels, um, training curricula, more structure. I brought more structure to what she had been already doing since the 1960s.
1: You know, I have to say, it probably was good anyway. It was a good thought because sometimes if we do things too young in our life, we may not have the wisdom. We may not have the patience (laughs) right, and so forth, you know. I mean, there's there's always times when um, I think we're better sometimes when we're older. So I think that was very smart of you to do that. Well, I actually found your mom and her book when I was working at the Alzheimer's Association in Colorado, and I would read all the books for their efficacy. And so books would come in from authors, and they would have me read them and say whether or not I thought they had any real impact on the help for people with the diagnosis to be understood, mm-hmm. and also for the caregivers to be able to take whatever that lesson was and right. practically apply it. Right. And because I was working with my mom and I was working with the helpline, taking calls mostly from people with the diagnosis, not often the caregivers, mm-hmm. um, and I saw this book, right? And then I found the video with Gladys. Mm. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw it and the patience that she used with that mm-hmm. woman who was very old, who had not had any visitors for many, many years, hadn't spoken a word in many, many years. And when she uttered those words to the song, mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what they were. He's got the The whole whole In his hands. In his hands. Yes. And when she said, in his hands, I swear, I'm not an emotional person. Tears came streaming down my face. That was life-changing. Let me jump in just for a
2: second because you used the word patience. And I understand that. Why? Because often caregivers, and please know that I was also... A caregiver, mm-hmm. uh, meaning I took care of my stepfather
3: mm-hmm.
2: when he had uh, when he was alive. He died last year. Mm-hmm. Um, patience. It's not so much patience that she was demonstrating, as a reframing, a refocus. Wow! It's about instead of going, "Oh God, what's he doing now." What's she doing? I can't reach her. She's not talking. What am I going to do? It's about, huh, look at her eyes. Centering. Well, that's the first step. The centering is the first thing you do. Mm-hmm. Centering is about taking that breath, recognizing what feelings and thoughts are going on inside of you,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and saying, okay, right now I'm putting those feelings and thoughts away. I'll come back. They're mine. I'm not going to lose them. But for the moment, I'm going to clear that out and be open to another human being. Mm -hmm. Then we use observation. Really exquisitely looking at the other person, the forehead, the eyes, the mouth, the tension in the cheeks. It gets very specific and objective. Mm -hmm. And then... We move into their emotion, and that's what you saw in Gladys.
3: Beautiful. That's not
2: what's spoken about, but her focus is on what's going on here. How, where is she busy? Where is, what is she thinking about? Mm -hmm. And then trying different ways of connecting. And she used in there the validation nonverbal techniques. Right. Uh, and when we say verbal or nonverbal techniques, we're referring to the client, the other person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They are either verbal; they communicate verbally, or they communicate nonverbally. Right. Gladys was communicating nonverbally with her pounding. Right. That repetitive was, movement. Right. Mm-hmm. That was what she was getting out something there. Right. And so Naomi just moved into it. Right. And knowing her history, and that's very important. For family caregivers, they know the history. Right. Maybe not all of it, because there's often things that happened early in life. An abortion, a rape, abuse. Right. A history that was never spoken of, Mm -hmm. that even the children and the grandchildren don't know, but is still there inside. Mm-hmm. But most of the time we know the history of our relative. Right. Professional caregivers have to work much harder to build those biographies so that they know what's the appropriate song or what's the appropriate touch or what's the appropriate um, issue that's mm-hmm. being resolved.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. right. And that of course is uh, the unique thing that Naomi, my mom, mm-hmm. discovered is that very old people, and we're talking primarily people with a diagnosis of late-onset Alzheimer, they are very busy with finding peace in right. order to die in the last stage of their lives.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And old guilt, old traumas... Um, unresolved issues from the past often come up in very old age, and they long to be resolved. We don't say we can resolve everything with validation, but what we can do is accompany, and that's the word I'm liking the best these days. We accompany the person in their struggle
1: to resolve. And you know... I work primarily with really, truly person-centered care, Mm -hmm. knowing that person, um, understanding their history, because I think you know as well as anybody that they have a tendency sometimes to go back in time and relive their history. So Mm -hmm. we can't care for a person well if we don't know something about them. But what's important about this training is and you just said it. So with Gladys, your mom didn't really know Gladys. No. She had to come she had to come from a place where she didn't know anything about this silent person sitting in front of her. Yeah. That appeared to well be she li-
2: had some history. She talked with the head of the uh department or the the carers who were there mm-hmm. and she discovered that um for Gladys Wilson, church was very important, mm-hmm. and uh she n- knew the songs associated right. with that and uh singing songs from the person's past is one of the validation techniques right It's different from music therapy
3: right
2: there music therapy is fantastic mm-hmm. uh and validation can be used as a base. To combine with a lot of other methods that are all fantastic, right. because there we need more than one tool mm-hmm. in our
1: tool chest. Right. Well, explain to my caregiver nation then. It's a great time to talk about what is the, what are the principles of validation theory.
2: There are eleven principles in validation, uh, but I think the most important ones that I'd like to bring up today have to do with the. What we call the basic validating attitude, which is how we approach older adults. Um, The first is every person is unique and worthwhile.
3: Yes. So
2: we're talking about valuing the -hmm. person. Another one is um, we have to accept the person where they are in the moment Absolutely. And not try to change them.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: They, it can't, sounds, they can't change. They can't change. We can
1: change the way we approach them, but they can't change. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
2: And for family caregivers, uh, that is often the hardest Ooh, Yes. because it means you have to let go. Mm-hmm. You have to say goodbye before they're gone.
1: Oh, absolutely. I right. I tell families often, and I didn't mean to stop your train okay. here, but okay. I tell families often that they start grieving the minute they get that diagnosis. Sometimes with the first symptoms that they mm-hmm. feel are significant, mm-hmm. and they don't realize their impact on that person with the diagnosis oh, yeah. through, because of the grieving process. I mean, and so we we can only control what we can control, but right. oftentimes... People don't even have the tools right. to control that. Right. It's a big puzzle.
2: When uh, when my dad was older, now I'm talking about my dad. Right. Um, he and I used to Skype every day. Uh, that went on for maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day he would uh, call me. If I was on the road, I'd pick it up where he'd say, Where are you now? And um, <clears throat> the conversation of a minute, two minutes. And then he started forgetting how to use the computer. And he forgot how to turn on Skype.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was my first loss. Right. And I had to recognize that. And then I I had to switch. And first I was really mad. <laughs> it's like, come on, turn on your bloody computer. But it took me, and I know this stuff. Right. It took me a month to realize I have to call him. Mm-hmm. So that's how we communicated. And as COVID... Um, his isolation made him smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, our conversations were about instead of you know life and death and important things. It was oh look there's a bird out the window, mm-hmm. right? And then he passed last year. But he was uh, he had a great life. But I found that grieving his actual death had started year a year before mm-hmm. with the loss of the daily Skyping.
1: I think you hit on something really important that sometimes we fail to recognize, mm. um, and that is that when a person, even you, Vicki, mm-hmm. maybe even your mom, mm-hmm. when she was working with her husband, who's your stepdad, and he had Alzheimer's, but... We see what somebody is losing. Mm-hmm. And we, even if we've been trained, sometimes we have to check ourselves and say, All right, how do we reorganize yeah. our thought process, right. our, our expectations? expectations. Yeah. How do we work with this person so that we are not getting upset that we're that we rethink the way that we expect them to that we answer. remain
2: in communication right on their level in a way that feels comfortable for them right and that's the core of validation as well that we have to cross the street yes, to where do. they are right um, and not have expectations of them changing and coming to our side of the street.
1: That's what I've been trying to tell my caregiver nation for six, seven years now, the listeners mm-hmm. of the show, that it, it innately we see what someone has lost right that's the way we think we're looking at them for what has slipped away what changes and that's what we're kind of tacking up on the on the sticky notes is what they are no longer doing that they used to do mm. and i i think what i have learned through the validation theory methods, is that we have to try to see what that person can still do. We have to be able to not look at them as a person who is less, but a person who still has something to offer, a person who still has something worth living for. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after a word from my sponsor.
0: Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community, full of grandeur and elegance, is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at Bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: All right. Thank you for being in the studio, Vicki. This is amazing for me. I told you when I met you earlier that you're so inspiring. You and your mom are both incredibly inspiring because it has helped form the way that I work with my own practice. And so it made me wonder that you, as I feel like, you know, my inspiration, my leaders in this area, has the validation process changed at all? Have you had to Rethink anything, uh, the way you work with the, the stages of, of the diagnosis for people? What's changed over the years since you've written a couple of books?
2: Okay. Um, or or well, has anything a lot. changed? A, uh, what has changed? Well, my mom put everything, the basics, in her book in 1982, mm-hmm. uh, Validation the File Method. And then the validation breakthrough, she made it more accessible, Mm -hmm. I think, to the public. Um, Since the 80s and 90s (laughs) and 200s, through (laughs)
3: the aughts,
2: um, we have been training more and more people. Uh, We now have 23 training centers in 13 countries.
1: Wow, congratulations. Yeah,
2: it's really good. China, Japan, Israel... Uh, clear across Europe and the United States. Um, We have a team of 17 Level 5 certified people. We call them the masters, uh, international group of people, and they pay attention to how validation theory and practice and the teaching of validation can be improved and brought up to date. And we started this quite a while ago. And since then, we've changed a number of things. Not so much how validation works, because it just works. Right. Um, There's about 60 studies that we have on our website that uh, talk to the efficacy of the method. But the changes. um, We've changed some things about how we uh, define symbols. And how to understand what's, how older adults use symbols. Mm-hmm. We've changed the phases of, of resolution. Resolution is the stage that people who are very old, they move into in order to resolve these unfinished issues of the past. Okay. So the phases used to have names malorientation, time confusion, repetitive motion, and vegetation. And over the years, all over the world, people have said, we really hate these labels. Okay. And this team of people said, you know what? They're right. We need to pay attention to this. Let's come up with other ways to define the behavior and the level of communication Of older adults who have cognitive decline. Okay. And so now we don't talk about these labels. We talk about people in phase one who communicate well, but there's something off. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who say, uh, there's a hole in the ceiling that's dripping on my bed, or there's a man under my bed, he comes at night. Or there's something, the neighbors are sending rats down through the pipes. Right. Those kinds of things. And the time-confused people are still communicating verbally, but they've let go of our present-day reality. They live in another time right. or place. That's the the guy who called you up and said, I'm an Air Force pilot, and uh, they won't give me my car keys. <laughs> right. He's in another place. Right. Um, and the third phase, Pete, that's Gladys. Oh, she no longer communicates verbally. She's communicating through movement mm-hmm. and sound. Mm-hmm. And the fourth phase, the minimal communication. Those people have withdrawn inward. Uh, what they're doing, we don't really know because they're not communicative. Mm-hmm. And one of the main goals of validation is to prevent that withdrawal. And oh, we can do that. I love that. We can do that. Right. Uh, and I've seen people uh, in my own practice in, in uh, I don't know what the proper term is, nursing home, facility, memory care, whatever mm-hmm. is the word du jour, right? Um, I've had people who had not spoken for, um, for a year and in wheelchairs
3: mm-hmm.
2: start talking in my validation group.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I came on to the ward at one point, and she was walking with a walker. And I said, <laughs> what are you doing? And she said, I'm practicing. Amazing. Right. Amazing. Th- and it's only because we're talking about what matters to the individual They don't care what's for dinner. They don't care if it's summer, spring, winter, or fall. They're in their world working through their issues. And when we go to them and communicate with them on their level in their world, they're going to respond.
1: That could not be said any better, honestly. Mm -hmm. And when I go into someone's home, Mm -hmm. I experience that. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Many times they are in later stages. They're looking for their parents.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they don't know how old they are. Right. Uh, families tell me they have regressed. They become very antisocial. They're they're not. They're being, being hermits. Things like that. And when I go in to talk to them, they will talk to me. Mm. I want to tell you a story where I used your validation theory and it really worked, okay? So I had a gentleman in a memory care unit. He hadn't spoken a word in four years. I was in charge of the support group at this particular place and I would provide education classes. They were sponsors of my show, right? So I was giving back to them for helping me get get off the ground. <laughs> and um, this particular person, uh, he had not spoken to his wife at all, and she was just distraught about it. I mean, really, she felt like he had left her like six years ago with very little communication, but now it had become zero. And so I tried singing some songs that were from his day, right? Even um, some from TV shows that he used to like and things like that. And I could see his eyes. He'd turn his eyes and look at me where he really wouldn't do that otherwise. And so we decided for just a few minutes we would put on Bing Crosby and um, Frank Sinatra in his headphones And we waited about 10 minutes. So this whole process had taken about a half an hour. And we pulled the headphones off. And I looked at him and I said, I called him by name. And I said, do you know this lady sitting next to me? And he he said, it's my wife. Hmm. And I said, yes, do you know her name? And he said her name out loud. And I said, do you think you could tell Kathleen that you love her? And he turned and looked at me and said, I love you, baby, and gave her a big hug and a kiss. And then I left the room and let him have a conversation. And it lasted for about 20 minutes. Hmm. And he went silent again. Hmm. But she was able to come in and put headphones on him and do that with the same type of music um, and then try to have a conversation with him. And right. sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But that was one of my big success stories. That's
2: that's a good <laughs> – I'm blowing her kisses. <laughs> <laughs> that is a beautiful example of a combination of validation and music therapy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, we use valid, uh, music in validation, but we do it by singing or humming mm-hmm. because it's more about that person-to-person contact. Uh, you can't validate for more than five minutes, max ten. Okay. When you really get deep into the other person and use empathy, emotive empathy.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples? Of? That five-minute, ten-minute process. Okay,
2: sure. Um, I would first center myself, then uh, observe what's going on in the other person. Then I do what's called calibrating. I change myself to match what the other person is looking like on a very, uh, not mimicking, but just trying to move into their emotional space. Okay. To develop empathy. hmm So then I get on eye level. If I need to get down, I get down or sit in a chair or go on my knees. Right. Uh, I then feel, and this is a funny thing to teach but, and to talk about, but it's very palpable when you're doing it. You find the right distance, and that is the distance that's comfortable for the other person, not what mine is. Right. Sometimes I've had to be nose-to-nose with right. somebody. And that's very uncomfortable because I can't focus that <laughs> close. But you just have to give it over, and that's what they need at that moment. So you find the right distance. And then with an adult-to-adult voice tone, I say hi hello, <laughs> how are you doing today? Right. And if the person is verbal, they will respond with something. And then I use the techniques for a verbal person. If there's not a verbal response, then I start moving into the nonverbal techniques, which includes anchored touch, which is connecting a specific touch to a past relationship. Okay. And that can be very effective, and often works with people who are completely nonverbal. Um, singing is a, a good technique. Uh, saying the emotion with emotion uh, that's using uh, empathy.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel safe? Do you.
2: Yeah, that would be. Uh, well, safe isn't an emotion. Um, you
1: might say Do you feel happy or sad? Right. Okay. Or
2: angry or frustrated or mm-hmm. oh you look very sad right now.
1: Okay. Do you feel sad?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like Naomi does with Gladys. Mm-hmm. is is that a tear I see mm-hmm. on your eye? Are you feeling very sad? And you see how they respond. Uh, With a verbal person, it's of course a little bit easier and it takes a little, you can take more time. But because it's so intensive and you're constantly looking for what's the meaning behind the behavior, here's another validation principle. There is always a meaning behind behavior.
1: Absolutely. Right. It's an unmet need that they're trying to express in some way. Thank you.
2: That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's principle number five and six. Okay. Uh, and The basic human needs are generally what's being expressed, the Mm -hmm. need to be loved, the need to be useful, the need to express emotion, the need to find equilibrium in your life, the need to um, give love. It's um, safety, of course. Uh
3: Do
1: you feel that it's more useful, impactful with somebody in later stages? Because I've heard you talk – well, I've read in your books, I Mm. should say it that way – that you can still use these types of processes and methods in people with early stage. Sure. Absolutely. And and they're really scared. They're really scared because they don't know what's happening to them. Sometimes they're in denial because if they admit it, then everybody around them will see them with a deficit, and they don't want that. They want to be seen as a whole person. Right. So now we've got a whole different need here of these people needing to still be seen as a person who is useful, mm-hmm. who, who well, is a person with dignity and, and still matters in this world and still es- has quality of life.
2: Esteem and dignity is a basic human need. It's absolutely. It's on, if you look at Maslow, you see it right there. And people, especially people with early onset, they are not in the final stage of life, right? Uh, they, it's not a normal process, and that's what makes the difference. I mean, such a significant difference mm-hmm. between people who develop neurocognitive disorder early. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use neurocognitive disorder, because that's early onset Alzheimer, uh, as well as uh, dementia with Lewy bodies. Parkinson's. Parkinson's in some cases. In some cases, yeah. Right. All those dementias. And there is a significant difference with older adults who develop cognitive decline in their 80s and 90s. One of the things my mom has always fought for, I mean, she fought like a tiger all these years, saying, that is not a disease. That's just old age. Is that your old, old? Um, Yes. Okay. In your books, you talk about old, old. The and disoriented <laughs> old, old. That's 80 plus. Okay. And when people start to forget which we all do in our 30s, 40s, 50s. I'm 65 now, and, you know, my memory is like a sieve. And that's normal. It's My hair is white. That's normal. My skin is saggy. It's normal. Why would we expect the brain to be any different than the rest of our body? Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and th- th- these are my mother's words. She says... That's normal behavior. Why are we medicalizing aging? And that's a whole other societal issue. But these older adults who lose short-term memory, who think about the past, that's normal behavior. It's not pathological. Right. As she says, it's not pathological, it's logical.
1: Ah, I love that. Yeah. I and going
2: that. back into the past, every psychologist who looked at the human life cycle recognized that, right? That's a normal process. It's we should stop labeling people. Oh, I agree. with um, and I understand why people need labels. I understand why people need the diagnosis. And not just for insurance purposes. It gives something to hang on to. Oh, now I know what's going on.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: For the older adult, the diagnosis is not so important. For the younger adult, it can be very significant. Right. Oh, now I understand Mm -hmm. what's going on with me. Right. Because that's important.
1: Yeah, we just need it for our... Strangely enough, our sanity, to know if we're losing our sanity.
3: (laughs) Right. That's right. Yeah.
2: Validation does work. Actually, the beginning, what I call the prerequisite techniques that I talked through just now, Mm -hmm. those are useful for anybody, anywhere, anytime. If you want to connect with another human being, whether it's your boss, whether it's your children, whether it's your husband or wife or... Uh, a disoriented old person. Mm It doesn't matter. Right. You need to, if you really want to communicate, you got to put aside your own stuff and get open to the other person
1: and meet them where they are at. That's exactly right. And it is, I don't know why it's lost on a lot of people, Uh, but when I teach my classes, people say you you make this simple for us to understand. You seem to understand the person. This is practical. I think I got all that from you and your mom. Mm-hmm. I just I can't thank you enough for how I've utilized mm. your processes in my own work. Um it's become well, valid- it's become it's become crazy important for me. We're going to take a break in just a minute, but when we come back, I want to talk about what makes validation methods different than other types of therapies. We'll be right back.
4: Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, We provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at com for more information.
0: Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: Okay, we're back, and we've been talking about Validation methods, breakthroughs. This is a specific type of, I don't know if we want to call it therapy. Do you call it therapy? No.
2: Okay. Uh, We moved away from that word because therapy connotes uh, getting better. Ah. And uh, we know we cannot make them better. Okay. Uh, So what we call, we call it the validation method. Okay. And the validation method is comprised of three interdependent elements,
1: okay. the
2: basic attitude, which I talked about, the theory, which includes the principles and the goals, mm-hmm. and a vision of aging, which we've touched on. Right. And the third leg of this triangle are the techniques, what we do. Okay. And if you try the techniques without the basic attitude, they're going to be very sterile. And they're not going to work very well. Mm-hmm. And if you use the basic attitude with the techniques for the wrong reason, it's also not going to work so well. Makes sense. <laughs> right. And so our training programs uh, are complicated. And it takes a while to really learn validation and to incorporate and integrate uh, how to actually practice it capably mm-hmm. um, and accurately. A lot of people have been inspired by the validation method uh, over the years, and it has spawned uh, many other practices, which, you know, fine. That's great, because everybody needs something. Right. But we try to keep the validation method uh, integral, because integrity is one of the key issues that we ask from validators, uh, main t- always maintain your integrity, mm-hmm. uh, which means we never lie, right? Not to uh, anybody, uh, not to anybody, not, and especially not the older adult with cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. Never lie, never divert, never redirect. Those are other things that take people away from communication. Okay, so we don't do that. Um, How does validation differ from other methods? Well, it's this complex triangle. It takes a long time to learn. Our certification level one takes nine months uh, with study, with practice, with feedback, with coaching, because to integrate new behaviors, and that's what we ask people to do, integrate new automatic behaviors, Instead of pulling away from somebody when they're very angry at you, you have to take that breath and move in. And that's hard to learn for many people. Right. And it just takes practice and coaching and support. And that's why it takes nine months to really
1: learn mm-hmm. uh, to integrate validation. Right. Um, and let's be clear. Yeah. That doesn't mean engage that person in an argument. By moving in. What you mean is understanding the emotion behind what they're feeling and trying to meet them at that place.
2: Having empathy. Yes. Moving into their anger. Yes. And when they say,
1: you took all my money.
2: Right. You don't say, no, I didn't. Right. What you do is you say, all your money is gone. When's the last time you saw it? Mm -hmm. Right. So you explore. Validation is a middle line between reality orientation on one side. We don't do that because we understand that that's not so effective. Mm -hmm. And you'd never play games. There's no theater here. This is not play acting. This is not diverting or lying. You're meeting them in their emotion and... Exploring what's going on. That's the big question.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What's going on? I might ask somebody who's really mad at me, What else are you missing? Let's see, you, you're missing your money. What else is gone? Right. And see what they say. Right. And it could be, Well, I haven't seen my keys, and I have, you know, everything's gone. And then we're getting to the point.
1: So now you've reached the goal. The goal, well, you're trying to reach the goal. Right. So what you're doing is you're trying to meet them where they are. And it's not right. to escalate their anger. It's to have them feel like you understand. They want to express it. They want to express it.
2: We and want to, to hear, hear it. it. Yes. Ah,
3: yes, I love it.
2: And so give me give me it. Right. You know, and I'll share it with you. Because there is no greater gift we can give another human being than to meet them and listen without judgment,
3: mm-hmm.
2: just with acceptance and that word accompany, again, we we accompany them in that emotion mm-hmm. and the expression.
1: So let me ask you a question then. Sure. I can understand how it would be I wanna say complicated mm-hmm. involved um, you have to have commitment. You have to really be willing to dig in and do this. I think I could be wrong. Tell me. But I think professionals uh, would soak all this in sometimes maybe easier than families. How do you bridge that gap?
2: With is that, that is that a fair question? It's absolutely. All questions are fair. Um, <laughs> For a family member, I, when I teach families, I say, don't worry about the emotive empathy. They, they, there are so many triggers that are going on and, and loss and expression of loss. And that's hard enough to deal with for yourself and to put away at moments because you cannot resolve your own feelings of loss with your relative. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't handle that. That's not where they're at. That's your emotion. So it's often what's yours and what's theirs. Right. And to get clear about that, I recommend that people, uh, families, have what I call cognitive empathy, which means you don't go in yourself into the emotion. You understand the emotion. You look very angry today. Right. And you don't have to get that anger in you Mm -hmm. because that can be harder for a family member.
1: Right. And that's what I do. I teach people to say, try to mirror back to them what you think you're seeing instead of uh, them. You know, I call it a tell me more theory. Mm. Okay. So you seem like you're really angry.
2: What's going on? Tell
1: me Am I right? Is that how you feel? Um, can you tell me why you're angry? You know, sometimes we ask those open-ended questions. They can't answer them. We ask yes yeah. or no questions. They can. Sometimes they can't. In,
2: in validation, we would never ask why. Okay. Because it asks for cognitive response. Right. And if a person is cognitively impaired, they can't answer. They that. can't answer the why. Okay. Who, what, where, when, how mm-hmm. are really useful. Okay. So just drop off the why. And sometimes with an, uh, with somebody who has early Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. they do have moments of cognitive uh, ability, and they can answer the why question. Right. Uh, whether it's useful or not is another question, because the why often comes from our need rather than their need.
1: Oh, great point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And again, then with families, it's, you know, whose need are we dealing with here is Mm it the older adult or is it mine
1: right right yeah yeah and and there's
2: nothing wrong with a family member having needs and feelings Mm -hmm. we're human beings right (laughs) and uh sometimes you have to express what's going on inside of you that's human but recognize that when you choose those five to ten minutes And you have to make it a conscious choice. Right. And that's where you go, okay, now it's going to be a useful tool for me to use. Mm -hmm. And you put aside your stuff for the five to ten minutes, and you go in and accompany and explore. Okay. And, um, And maybe you combine it with other methods, and that's... My mother, with her husband, she used a lot of Montessori materials because she found that they were very effective. And they make them now for uh, older adults, which is fantastic. (laughs) And uh, sometimes music therapy and art therapy and uh, pets or whatever. If it works,
1: use it. it. (laughs) (laughs) it. It's hard enough. But, so, I want you to talk for a minute about your books. You have okay. three of them. Four. Four. Yeah. So, tell people about the books. Tell them well, what makes them different, okay, okay. Uh, and what the names are, and I will post it on my website as well, so they can, and can they have access through Amazon?
2: Yes. Okay. Or uh, the Validation Training Institute. Uh, website. We have uh, direct sales through there. Beautiful. Okay. Um, and that is vfvalidation.org. Okay. Um, so the books. My Well, I've mentioned uh, Validation, the File Method. That's the mm-hmm. original book. That's got the full theory, what we use when we teach courses. Okay. Then the Validation Breakthrough is basic validation Uh, concepts, principles, techniques, but geared through storytelling. Okay. And that book I just finished revising and updating uh, to present time and present research and, yeah, just updating word for word everything. Okay. Including the new phases um, and the new diagnoses out of the DSM-5, talking about that as well. Okay. And that should be out in autumn, and it's Health Professions Press. I think that book is the most um, accessible and useful for family carers. Okay. Then I wrote, uh, I did the revisions on those books, but my own books are Validation for Family Caregivers, and I think it's called Techniques for Dementia Care. Okay. A Family Guide. Okay. And that is not all of the theory, not all of everything, but it's really geared to what happens at home. Right. And what I experienced, what I worked with other people. Uh, And it's also story-based. So Mm -hmm. there are case studies from real life and how it could go with validation. Mm -hmm. So it's showing how.
1: That's one of the things I love about your books is that oftentimes you use case studies. Absolutely. In almost all of your books. Yeah. Right. Right. Go ahead. I didn't mean that. That's okay.
2: Well, there's only one more. Okay. And that's uh, validation for first responders. Okay. Because the needs of first responders are different. Right. They don't have a lot of time. And I'm talking police, paramedics, Mm -hmm. and fire,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, firefighters. People who come into contact with disoriented older adults all the time, right? And often don't receive training uh, in how to handle it, how to de-escalate right. situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and it's a workbook. It's a workbook with audio components. You go online and you go to a website, and there's a page with audio for training, mm-hmm. but also uh, visual. It's you write in the book it's a workbook that can be
1: used. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And we need more and more of these educational materials because yeah. people are hungry for yeah. it. You're in the Netherlands. You yeah. live in the Netherlands and you have done your trainings you've had all over Europe. I was reading your yeah. uh, information and you list many many countries, Germany, Austria, down the line, right including china japan right Israel, Jordan I have listeners in all those areas oh, fantastic. and so if someone um, wanted to reach out to you, how would they reach out to you uh, or through your uh, my
2: you can email me um v Declerc D-E-K-L-E-R-K, at vfvalidation.org.
1: Okay.
2: You can contact me through uh, contact at the website, vfvalidation.org. Okay.
1: Um,
2: And I get all those messages and I respond because listening to people who are working with or experiencing cognitive decline
1: that's what we do, right?
2: That's right. Uh, we <laughs> respond. We listen and we respond.
1: Beautiful. We have about three minutes left, but how is your mom?
2: My mom turned 90 last Friday, and she is doing pretty well. She and I meet every other Tuesday on Zoom because she lives in Oregon, and I live in the Netherlands, as you said, and we Zoom every other Tuesday, and sometimes we record interviews. And uh, those interviews are used at conferences all over the world. We did, like, four conference interviews uh, in the past year. So she keeps, re- she keeps active. She, she does uh, every month a, a webinar for Memory Bridge, Okay. Which is just terrific. She answers their questions. She doesn't travel anymore. Her last, I think, her last tour was 2017. And we did a whole European tour, uh, which was quite, that was fun. It was challenging. It was, um, (laughs) but she's still there and uh, loving her family. She lives on my brother's farm independently in her own home. Uh, She requires uh, help now because she's got horrible arthritis. Her hands are just gnarled, and she can't do things anymore with her hands. Mm -hmm. And she has trouble walking, and she has some short-term memory loss, and all that normal stuff for people who are 90 years old. (laughs) Saggy, (laughs) white-haired, Difficulty with hearing, Um, eyesight is still very good.
1: Uh... Well, if you would... Tell her that I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of yours, and I can't thank you enough. As soon as I found out you were coming to the Pioneer Conference where we are both speaking, and unfortunately at the same time on Thursday, so I'm going to miss your presentation. But uh, I did not want to miss you, so I can't thank you enough for coming into the studio for enlightening my Caregiver Nation. They're going to love this show. And I actually told Vicki today before we came to the studio that um, I'm just so honored to have you here. I've used so many of the practices that you and your mom have created, and I just thank you so much.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, everybody in Caregiver Nation, I hope you've enjoyed this show. As always, send me emails, questions. I will forward them on to Vicki. If you want to know something specific or you want uh, to get any of her books, I will put this information on my website. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
0: You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.